Let's do this. Um, so uh, the title of my, my sermon today uh, is Kiss. <laughs> and no, I don't mean the rock band. <laughs> Although, if you know me, you know I do love to rock and roll all night and party every day. <laughs> uh, no, I mean kiss, meaning keep it simple. Okay, so <laughs> I intentionally left out the second S. I'm trying to, oh, it's, oh, it's on the, I, I didn't take it off the bulletin. Dang it. It's, that's my bad. I thought, I thought better of not saying stupid, keeping everything positive. Keep it simple. So the next couple weeks, we're going to try to work to keep it simple because the world we live in is not. The world we live in is really, really complicated, and it seeks to overwhelm. The world seeks to generate the anxiety that so many of us feel, of feeling burdened, of feeling like there's too many things happening, I can't keep track of them all, of feeling like my to-do list has gotten out of control. I want you just to, for a minute to think about the systems of our culture and how complicated they are. Like, have you ever tried to navigate social systems recently? It's so hard. You try to navigate the legal system? Good luck with that. The legal code? Or insurance companies? Right? And what qualifies and what doesn't? The systems of the world are complex. And they're overwhelming. And they're anxiety producing. There's like an epidemic in the United States of anxiety and depression, right? And so much of this, I think, comes from being bombarded and feeling overwhelmed. Think for a minute just about the Christian faith that there's over 1,000 denominations in the United States alone. Over 1,000 denominations. Part of this is because we've made things incredibly intricate and complicated, and we invent ways to divide we invent ways to disagree with one another. You know what we could really use? Some simplifying. <laughs> like, what if with our minds and our hearts, we could like engage that book? Uh, what is it? It's like the art of simplification where you have to take everything out of your closet. What's the name of this book? And you ask yourself, do I want this? Do I use this? If not, you get rid of it. I, I, all I heard was jumble. Someone raised their hand and tell me the name of the book. There you go. The magic art of tidying up. I get rid of stuff. I clean out what I've got. I get rid of my stuff in my shed, in my garage. You go through it and you say, I don't need this. I don't use this. Someone else could use it. And you simplify. What if we could do that? What if we could do the magical art of tidying up in our hearts and in our minds? if we could really keep it simple. This is part of what Paul's doing with the Colossians. So Paul is writing, many scholars think he's actually writing from prison at this time, which I'm always amazed that Paul's tone, his hope, his optimism in the midst of like shipwreck, snake bite, prison. And then I find myself unable to have hope because it's like, oh, my taxes are due or something, right? Like, well, how, how could I possibly survive? But he's writing to this, uh, this Greek-speaking city, right, influenced by the Roman Empire. He's writing to these early Christians, 
And we've got a mixture. Many of them were Jews who have now converted. They've been convinced that Christ is the Messiah, right? But then you've got these non-Jewish Christians, right, in Colossae and other places in the Roman Empire. And there's all this infighting because the Jewish Christians want to stay Jewish. Like, you got to get circumcised if you want to be Christian, right? So Katie reads about circumcision. What about these 600-plus laws, we got to stay Jewish, right? we got to keep following them. And Paul's like, nope. We're, not, we're in the business of circumcising our hearts, not our bodies. We're not, we're not in the business of following all of the law. We're going to keep it simple. Rather than divide, rather than differentiating Jewish Christian from non-Jewish Christian, Greek from Jew, we're going to center ourselves in Jesus. That's it. We're just going to cut through all the things that divide and we're going to center ourselves in Christ and what Christ has done. So, one way to keep it simple. So this comes directly from today's scripture. For in Christ, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Woo! In Christ, all the fullness of God lives. Just, just that sentence alone. When you see Christ, you see God, period. Jesus is the fullness of God, the revelation of God. So then it's like, what's Jesus like? That's what God's like. Simple. And what Jesus is like looks a lot like forgiveness. It looks a lot like grace. It looks a lot like compassion. It looks a lot like love. That is what God is like, period. The end. Do you know how helpful this is to me as I try to sift through Scripture? Uh, scholars call it taking a Christological filter or a Christological lens. You just take the life and teachings of Jesus and you put it over all of the Bible and anything that seems to create conflict or tension with the person of Christ, you say, hmm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask some deeper questions about this, right? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to throw it out, of course. It's the Bible. I'm going to call it into question. I'm going to ask some further scrutinizing questions. For instance, like the command to commit genocide in Joshua. I'm going to think, does that sound like Jesus? Does that look like loving one's enemies? Jesus is the full revelation of God. The fullness of God rests in Jesus, so anything that creates tension with the person of Jesus, I'm going to step back from and start asking some hard questions of, right? Jesus becomes Lord even of the Bible. That helps me simplify things. What matches up with the words, actions, life, and death of Jesus, right? That's what we focus on. Listen to this good news from Colossians. When you were dead because of the things you had done wrong and because your body wasn't circumcised, God made you alive with Christ and forgave all the things you had done wrong. He destroyed the record of debt we owed with its requirements that worked against us. He canceled it by nailing it to the cross when Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities and principalities of this world. How did Jesus disarm the powers of this world? The things that would seek to complicate to destroy, did he do it with the sword, with power, with politics, with money? Nope. All the powers and principalities of this world are overcome 
through the cross, through sacrificial love, through selfless service. That's how they're overcome. And that's how we overcome the powers of this world. That's how we tap into the simplified message of God that love wins, period. When I want to justify what I'm going to do because of some set of circumstances I want to get, I want to justify it because of my own bitterness, jealousy, fear, anxiety, insecurity, anger. When I want to seek to justify what I want to do, all I do is complicate things. I muddy it. My motives get all twisted. Well, if I'm going to get this, if I'm going to be successful in this way, if I'm going to get the results I'm looking for, well, then I've got to play the game. I've got to play into some system. I've got to do X, Y, or Z that compromises my integrity. My moral compass causes me to treat people the way I don't want to be treated. No, we simplify. We cut out all of those motives, all of those fears, all of those insecurities that plague us, and we say, what does love demand? What is the call of Christ? So I'm going to ask you in your mind to think about those things in your life that create great anxiety and stress I want you to think about that relationship in your life. And you're not even sure how it got so complicated, but it just is. And I want you to think about what would it be to clear it out and to simplify it. In that relationship, what would it be like to lead with forgiveness or with love? I want to make one thing clear. There are some things in life that just really are complicated. And some people are not safe for you. Some people are really toxic. And you need to avoid them. I under, I'm not, I get that. You absolutely have to draw boundaries. There's nothing wrong with that. But often we overcomplicate. And so much builds up between. And what would it be like just to sweep that away and say, I love you. I see you. And it's for some of you, maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids. Maybe it's just your own heart and the way you talk to yourself. What would it be like to cut through all the ways we hurt ourselves and others, the way we complicate things, the way we allow it to suck us in and stress us out? What if we pushed that aside and began to really be motivated by grace, really be motivated by compassion? That's it, period. No but, no, no colon second clause, none of that. Just love, just forgive, just like Christ, who embodies the fullness of God. Amen? Amen? So my challenge is the beautiful art of sweeping up and cleaning up our minds, our theology, our hearts, and we're going to try to keep it simple. Really, really simple. Like, like love, even when it's inconvenient even when you think you've done enough already, even when we're tired, that we're going to seek to understand other people's stories and have compassion for them before we seek to be understood. Period. That's it. We're just going to simplify. When Paul's in the middle of prison and hardship and heartache and he's writing to a fledgling church in a culture that wants to destroy it, he doesn't make it complicated, and he doesn't talk about winning, and he doesn't talk about how to manipulate or connive or get power. 
He says, Jesus overcame the powers of this world through love. And we're going to do the same. Amen.